Hey friends, it's Eric here. Thanks for listening to the Building Us podcast. Hey, I want to invite you to follow me on my new show, Stuff About Money They Didn't Teach You in School, where I take a deeper dive into money and financial topics. You can find it wherever you listen to your podcast, Stuff About Money They Didn't Teach You in School. I hope to see you there. Y'all deal with relationships and people form relationships with their money. It really got me thinking like, wait a minute, if people are going to counseling to get healthier relationships, then as a financial advisor, maybe there's something there for me to learn to help people form better relationships with their money. And if I'm in the business to help people financially and counselors are in the business of helping people with relationships, then there's something here for me to pick up from. All right, Matt. I was thinking, I was thinking about one of our last podcasts on you need a vacation. And we're talking about one of the benefits of vacations is just connecting to uh, whoever you're traveling with, be it family or friends, and really the impact of building those those memories. And, and you and I reminisced about one of our memories of um, of going on a writing retreat together. And one of the questions I ask Oh, I like to talk about, I don't ask everyone this, sometimes I do, but it's always interesting to me, is what's your earliest memory of money? Mm. So I'm curious, what is your earliest memory of money? Well, um, I grew up in a, in a, a home uh, with professional parents, um, and I remember having access to money when I needed it. So uh, we, I grew up in a small town, and uh, the way to get money was not to go to the bank. It was to go to the grocery store and write out a check to cash to the grocery store. And I, I just imagined that the grocery store had millions of dollars because they could always <laughs> cash like my $20 check. You know, Bread, milk. Write a, Cash. And millions of dollars, right? And I'd write out a $20 check. Um, I got a checkbook in early on, like sixth, seventh, eighth grade, somewhere in there. Wow. And so I would go to the grocery store and, and write out checks. And then I was not, uh, my, my parents were great at teaching me how to write checks, mm-hmm. but I wasn't the best money manager or like uh, checkbook um, register person. Mm-hmm. So occasionally I would overdraft my account. And again, this was very small town back in the day. So when I would overdraft, the bank would call my mom at work and she would drive over to the bank and put some money back into the account. And so I kind of had this, uh, I knew how to write a check. That was an early memory. I knew how to cash it at the grocery store. And, and you I never knew, ran out of money. And just I kept- knew that mom would always put a little bit more back in. That's funny. That's why I remember my, um, I grew up as a kid, my grandparents lived right across the street from me and my uncle at the time was, was living with them and he would ride the RTA. That's the, the public transportation here in New Orleans. He would ride the RTA to work. So he always needed, uh, it was easier for him to, to use dollars to pay for the RTA. And my grandfather, uh, at the end of every day, he, he had this ashtray in his in his room on top of his desk and he would put all his coins in the ashtray and he would let me take all the quarters and then i would take i'm sorry my my uncle my uncle wanted quarters 
to ride the RTA. So my grandfather would let me take all the quarters and then I would go to my uncle and I would exchange the quarters for dollars and then it was easier to go to the grocery store and buy baseball cards with dollars than it was to to lug around a bunch of quarters. So that's kind of a it's kind of was one there of my a fee? early did you tack on a fee for quarters for dollars? Was there usury you know, involved? I don't think I t- I'm pretty sure I didn't tack on a fee. Even I trade? Depends, I think it depends on who tells the story. But once my grandfather found out that I was doing that, like miraculously his quarters just like disappeared. Like there was like a quarter shortage, just kind of like the, the coin <laughs> shortage right now. Like, yes, there is now. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know. I mean, that was creative, right? But um, yeah, it's always fun to talk about that, uh, that memories. Um, and just kind of reminiscing, you know, we talk about relationships all the time and just, just sitting down and, and reminiscing, I think is such a, a strong kind of bonding experience for um, relationships. And you and I have been, we've been at this for a while, this, this building us, the podcast is, is relatively new, but we've been, we've been collaborating for a little while. So it got me thinking in this idea of reminiscing and memories. What's my first memory of us professionally working together. So mm-hmm. I actually, I'm gonna kick that to you. What's your first memory mm. of us professionally working together? And I wonder if it's the same one. Well, uh, I'm a couples therapist and um, mental health professional in New Orleans. So I, I've had a practice for a long time where I've been seeing clients. And um, in doing couples therapy, you regularly come up, come across issues involving money and the relationship or money in the home or employment and the relationship, those kind of issues. Um, And so money has been part of my conversations with couples for a long time. And there had, there had always been couples that dealt with financial situations that just felt way beyond my professional training expertise. And so, um, I I knew sometimes that couples would mention other financial professionals that they worked with. Uh, when you and I became friends, like personal friends before we were uh, uh, professional colleagues, um, I started thinking about, oh, here's a here's another financial professional that some of my clients could possibly use. Um, so back to the early, back to your question about the earliest memory. I remember doing this work with. Uh, couples who were divorcing and were learning to be co-parents together as they were going to take care of their children. And oftentimes in that kind of rearrangement of their family, finances needed to be talked about. And oftentimes the, 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 the woman, the, the mother, the wife, the, um, was, was really having to make a financial adjustment in her life. Um, maybe going back into the workplace, maybe really rethinking like her expenses and can I afford this house, all of that kind of stuff. Uh, so of, often divorce negatively impacts women even even more than men financially. So I had been working with these couples and, and worrying about some of these mothers and, and women. And I remember referring one of them to you. Um, and... Uh, my understanding is she went and met with you and found it to be really, really helpful and really reassuring for getting her back on her feet financially as she transitioned into this new phase of her life. Uh, so that's one memory. A second memory is 
a dear friend and colleague of mine whom uh, she asked me to give her, to look at her kind you, of her... For, just for the sake of saving time, this memory that you're about to share, I, I know where you're going. This is my first memory. So just this, so I don't have to share it, you can you can speak for the two of us. Well, do you want to... I'll, no, no. I'll tell my version and you can add to it as you see fit. But sounds a like, colleague sounds of like mine... A, it sounds like when my parents are telling stories and my mom will, will interject. Rosa, do you want to tell I'm, the story? Rosa, I'm telling the story. Tell the story? Rosie, por favor. So I'll just uh, I'll just jump in. Come on. <laughs> so a dear colleague of mine who also had a private practice uh, was always worried about her her income and expenses, um, and so she asked me to kind of give her some consultation on her business practices. And God love her. Uh, I was talking to her about like her how much income she brings in versus her expenses. And, and she was a wonderful therapist who worked all the time, seeing as many clients as she could possibly see, but at the end of the month realized she wasn't really making that much money. Her income and expenses were, were roughly similar. And I, I remember saying to her, uh, you know, you're a great therapist, but essentially you're running a nonprofit. <laughs> and yeah. that really hurt her feelings and offended her. <laughs> and she she was just in a place in her life where she needed financial advice and skills and, and, uh, needed to gain some knowledge in that area. And so I connected her with you. And again, that was something that she really, really appreciated. Yeah. I remember at first she, she was, um, I mean, it's, got, it's gotta be tough. Cause she was, I would say in, in kind of middle-aged, like you said, been successful, um, and was having to face the reality of kind of in a, financial mess. So there's got to be a little bit of a, of, of, of a kind of like a, I'm not gonna say ego, but a little shame involved. I remember she wouldn't come alone. She had to come with you at first. I came uh, with her the first yeah. time she met with you. Yeah. I, that's what I remember. And that was, I, that's my memory of us initially uh, working uh, professionally together. And um, I know for me, uh, being friends with, with you as a therapist, and then we have another very good friend of ours who's a who's a therapist as well. I started to to hear you guys talk. Y'all would get together and talk shop. And I would hear you guys talk about all your whatever counselors talk about. And it really made me think like, wait a minute. Y'all deal with relationships, couple relationships, family relationships, parent relationships. And people form relationships with their money in a certain way. It sounds kind of weird, but we but we kind of relate to our money. We all relate to it a little bit differently, uh, some more healthy than others. And it really got me thinking like, man, wait a minute. If people are going to counseling for their relationships to, to get healthier relationships, and Matt and Roy are able to help people build better relationships, then as a financial advisor, man, maybe there's something there for me to learn. There's something there for me to learn to help people form better relationships with their money. And at the, at that time I was getting my, um, my CFP, the certified financial planner designation. And there was an entire course on the difference between advising, financial advising and financial counseling, right? So advising is you come to me, you ask me a question, I give you advice. Financial counseling was a little bit more inquisitive. It was asking the open-ended questions. It was trying to understand how people make decisions to help them start to align maybe some of their decision-making with some of their financial goals. So as I'm taking this course, I'm sitting here looking at, listening to uh, 
to you and Roy talk about these counseling techniques. And I'm like, man, this could really help people. And if I'm in the business to help people financially and counselors are in the business of helping people with relationships and people relate to their money, then there's something here uh, for me to, to pick up from. And those are some of the, the early memories that, yeah. uh, yeah. And, and you and I have talked about this kind of on the side, but, um, both of our industries, if you will, prepared us in lots of ways to be helpful for for lots in lots of ways for lots of people. But um, there's not there wasn't a lot of cross pollination yeah. in our disciplines. And so the way that that works out in counseling, I have a master's and a doctoral degree in counseling, but didn't receive any training in family finances or personal finance. Even though we know everybody who sits in my office is thinking about money on some level and and is relating as you're talking about relating to money in on some level and often very frequently is having conflict with loved ones regarding money and sometimes that's interspousal or interfamily and sometimes it's generational um but that you know. It, maybe it's an overstatement, but it's like money is another family member to some extent. Mm-hmm. They're always, it's always around. They're always thinking about it, always relating to it. And, and yet in my profession, I really received no training in family finances. I, I received training in family finances from my own parents, um, how to write a check, how to cash it at the grocery store, how to overdraw, stuff like that. But I didn't, you know, receive any training in counseling other people about uh, how they feel about money or um, how to e- even basic financial skills. Um, I know now there are training programs that do incorporate family finances um, and there ev- is even an interdisciplinary um, program or degree program that combines kind of family therapy and financial planning. And, and sometimes those are called uh, financial counseling programs mm-hmm. i believe so there there is just in the last like less than a decade more or of a, financial this, th- i think it's financial therapy financial therapy financial yeah. therapy yeah there uh-huh. is this more interdisciplinary approach um but you and i i think we're recognizing the need for that uh a while back and trying to figure out ways to work together not really to combine our practices or combine yeah. our work but just support each other and, and, and be more holistic about our clients. What, what about you? What did you in, in all of your training receive about what kind of training did you receive about, um, interfamily relationships, communication, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Interesting. So, so, uh, you can always, you can always tell what the trend is in the financial industry based off of what the majority of like the, the training coming down from the various entities, the mutual fund companies, the insurance companies. I remember one year there was a big push of, um, you know, financial advisors, you better start meeting with wives. You always meet with the men and the man's going to pass away and the wives live longer and statistics show that, that women typically don't stay with the financial advisor that worked with their husbands because they were always ignored. So there's a big focus and a big push on, on working with, with women. Um, yeah. There's, so you kind of see these trends and there's, there's big, tr- there, more recently there's this big push of 
financial advisors, you better start talking to the kids. You know, you're working with mom and dad, they control all the wealth, but mom and dad are going to die one day and that wealth is going to transfer to the kids. And if you don't have a relationship with the kids, so that's like the extent of, of I, I would say, the, the family counseling. Mm. Or the, or the, start talking the, to them. Just start talking to them. Yeah. You're starting to see more and more and more a movement kind of like what we're doing where financial advisors are no longer just financial advisors. Like we have to be more comprehensive and we have to be more um, a focus just on managing an investment account. But coming up in the industry, it was, we're taught insurance products, how to sell them. Um, and the particular companies will have their particular training. So they'll, they'll emphasize the, the specifics of what the, their products or services solve in those problems. Um, and the investment companies, we would get investment training, how to, how to build investment portfolios, how to manage risk, those types of things. But there was never really, it was more of a, of a financial advice. I have a product and I'm going to convince you the need of it. And we're going to, we're going to fill that need, but, but not much, not much else. I'm going to say it didn't exist, but you're starting to see more and more where people are talking about behavioral finance. Now it, it's been around for a while, but the behavior side of money. Yeah. Um, but as you said, I think that early on we were kicking these ideas around and we recognized that, Hey, there, there's a need for this because I can't, you know, some, some people's money problems, uh, people are coming to me to save for retirement, right? So I meet with someone, they want to save for retirement. So, mm -hmm. well, where are they going to get that money from? Well, they don't have any money to save for retirement. So we have to deal with their spending. They have bad habits, spending habits. So mm -hmm. I got to find a way to get them to spend less. Um, and that's where you kind of start looking at the the counseling and the and the and the coaching. Yeah. And and I learned that from hanging out with 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 a bunch of counselors. Um, but that kind of led us to saying, hey, wait a minute, there's a space. What else can we do? How can we professionally collaborate? What 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 can we do? Yeah. Yeah, I and you know, I give uh I'm also a professor, so I, I um will participate in professional organizations and um conferences and often make presentations at, at annual conferences. Do you remember several years ago where I invited you to join me at a conference and we gave a presentation about something somewhere? The present, or no, I still have it. The presentation was called Muddy Waters. Oh. You don't remember this? And you, yeah, you're, in your PowerPoint presentation, you actually started with um, that Muddy Waters song. What, what is it? Uh, yeah. You, you don't remember that? I, I, I vaguely do. Yes, I, there was a, a beautiful picture of Muddy Waters, yes. the artist, uh -huh. on the front of the PowerPoint. So what yeah. was the? So what would the subtitle have been? Muddy Waters. Oh, I, I'd have to pull it up. Couples therapy up. and finances, family finances, or something like that. But I remember. No, I remember this conference very specifically. Was it here in New Orleans? It was in New Orleans. It was. It was downtown, and I remember it because. The way we presented it was I presented on the financial topic, right? We talked about, uh, this is actually the beginning of my ebook because I talked about my four pillars at the time of financial security. It was called something different and that eventually you know, evolved into the five pillars of financial security, a guide to managing your money. Um, Congratulations. Thank you. We'll, we'll put a link, a shameless plug, we'll put a link in the show notes. But I remember it because... What I wanted to do was take financial concepts that apply to the majority of people, not just not just one particular 
I didn't want to just talk about investment or retirement planning. I wanted to talk about the the basic financial, personal finance issues and knowing where your money is and where it's going. Plan where your money, uh, plan where you want your money to go, squash debt, and then save for tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I took those were the four topics. And what I did was I presented on the financial side. And then you presented on, hey, here's the impact in a family setting or in a relationship setting if you don't manage your finances well. If you don't know how you're spending money, this is the impact in the family. If here's how in- you can blow up your family if you don't if you don't have some some sound financial skills. That's right. Like so we talked about debt and I presented on how to get out of debt and and yeah. you know appropriate uses of debt and then you came in behind me and said, "Here's what happens in a family setting if you don't manage it well." And then we had a um and the conference was two counselors. So we were we were teaching giving counselors some um some skills or I guess some some language to use, right? So we were training counselors in yeah. how to work with their clients about their their money. Okay. Yeah. We had worksheets. You're, I developed some worksheets. Remember those worksheets? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yes, I remember. That was back in the five day of worksheets. Now now that was more than that because now uh when you go to a conference you don't hand out anything. You upload it yeah. and everybody has access to downloads these days. So it's different different world. How many people how many participants were in that workshop? Do you remember? I don't know. Um like it six wasn't or a seven huge or like twenty. No, it wasn't twenty. It was more than six or seven. But I remember the participants just very um appreciative. They they like they they were very appreciative. It was new information to them. Yeah. Um I remember walking around, they had like a little 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 area where they had some vendors, I think, and they had some books out. And I walked up and down the book aisle and I was looking at all the books. There was not one book related to money. Mm-hmm. Not one. And I think that led it. We're sitting here thinking like, man, here's a, we're at a conference for counselors. Money's a, a, a problem in, you know, it causes problems. There's not one money on yeah. personal finance or understanding personal finance or talking to your clients about personal finance. Yeah. You know, we, you and I have now presented at a, at a couple of different professional venues in a couple of different professional settings. Um, and when we speak to counselors, something that always strikes me is that we have brand new counselors like graduate students or brand new graduates. And then we also will have very seasoned professionals at the same training. So something that we're talking about is attractive to a, a wide group of people. And what I often hear from the graduate students is like, I need this for me. I don't, yeah. I don't, I'm not ready to talk about to clients about this yet. I just need this for me. I need to figure out my own finances. And then from the more seasoned people, I hear them often saying like, uh, my agency that I run needs to be thinking about this or how to incorporate this or we're we're working with all of these families, but nobody's addressing money. So uh, seeing it kind of, the need is being expressed across the board. And then something that you've told me lots of times is in your industry, when you mention to, to colleagues or networking groups that you're working with a couples counselor, that's often received really well. People seem to be interested in that. Yeah, the, the response is, is kind of, wow, that's a, that's a really good idea. Because in our industry, you think of you think of the 
the centers of influence, the people who are in a position to really refer financial planners and financial advisors uh, business are CPAs, right? Clients, especially business owner clients, there's a certain demographic of people who are paying the money to go to a CPA. They need financial advisors, attorneys. Um, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of advisors who have really good uh, professional relationships with divorce attorneys. You'd, you'd mentioned that earlier in, in one of the cases that we had talked about because it's it's a financial mess trying to figure it out, and you need you need that that financial skill set to come help uh, untangle um, some of that. But counselors is it's one it's no, no one ever talks about it, but yet when it's mentioned, people's eyes light up. It was yeah. interesting to me. A couple, so this is a trajectory that I've been on in my business, not just investment management. Investment management is still the majority of of the work that we do here, but this trajectory of uh, shifting from investment management to the financial counseling aspect. And I always hesitated to call it financial coaching because I feel like coaching, you know, I, I've got to get over that in my own head. To me, like to be a coach is is you're not, is, you're not sure of the verbiage. Yeah, I've got I've got licenses and designations and coaches don't need licenses and designations all the time. But that's essentially what it is. It's coaching yeah. people to do better with their money. And I remember at one of our big conferences um, for the company that I represent, at the main platform, the I, I don't know if she is the I don't know at the time she I think she was the the um the chairwoman of the board and she gave this personal story about the need for financial advisors to be more holistic in their planning. And maybe they need to start giving advice that is outside of the financial space. And not just how much money you should invest in your IRA this year, yeah. but how do we even find money to go into your IRA? Yeah. Um, th those types of things. So the more that holistic planning. So there is definitely a movement, which is good. Uh, there's a movement to incorporating this more holistic approach that I think is, is, um, is, is important. Yeah. And just to confirm that I, I hear from clients who have financial professionals in their lives and the clients will often say like, they don't really do anything for me. I mean, they, they, they manage my money, I guess, but they, I don't know what they do. And, and essentially the clients are telling me, I wish my financial person did more to talk mm -hmm. to me about how to, you know, how to put more money into retirement or how to find money to put into retirement or just talk to me about things. Yeah. Well, there's, there's definitely, there's definitely a movement right now that I'm kind of seeing being in the business where, and you, you see this, and if you're listening, you kind of know what I'm talking about. Maybe there's, there's this idea that investments are kind of becoming commoditized to a certain degree, right? They have all these online brokerage companies that you can go invest money in. So there's this idea that you know, why do I need to go? I can do it myself. Um, but the problem with that is that we know that people are irrational people. People, I mean, people are irrational. We make decisions based off of emotions oftentimes. So it's important to have uh, a professional who in some cases, I joke sometimes with, with certain clients and I joke sometimes with, with colleagues that sometimes the hardest part of our job is not picking investments. It's managing expectations. It's managing client expectations and client behaviors. Um, so yeah. certainly the work that we've done together has been incredibly helpful. So we've presented at multiple conferences. And I remember the last uh, presentation, we actually talked about not just the personal finance side, but we also broke it up into 
most of the most of the people who were there owned their own practices. So we actually talked about um, the healthy financial principles for running a business as well. Yeah, you know, and uh, so in that case, you're talking about therapists who also have private practices and the the, the finances of that business. But you know, years ago, part part of a sub discipline of family therapy is working to consult with family businesses. And so years ago, I got introduced to the topic of of family family owned businesses and and the the unique dynamics that that brings to family life. You know, when you sit down for dinner, you're still talking about business because you've been working together all day. Um, all of all you know, generational wealth passing on. Um, passing passing the business on succession and planning all of that stuff is part of family business but uh also just the challenge of working with people you live with and love mm-hmm. and can't get away from and so uh as as i've thought about family businesses from a family therapy perspective i know also that you've worked with many many small business owners over the years entrepreneurs people who are hustling to to make a break and um and as part of that their family life is often implicated and so there's been some overlap for our work there also with small businesses and family-owned businesses yeah we're we're hustling entrepreneurs so like i can totally relate to that i know what it's like to run a business and have a family and trying to figure all that stuff out um so so we we've and answer hard questions over dinner from your family and spouse yeah absolutely absolutely so we've co-presented they were like, man, there's something here. We, we've got more than just co-presenting at conferences. So we actually came together, and I think this was this was something I think you you already kind of offered to a certain degree, um, and I'm not really quite sure how we came up with this. But then build, building us, this idea of building us came about. Yeah, and um, I started thinking about as as doing couples therapy. I started thinking about premarital counseling. Years ago, years and years ago, um, premarital counseling has often has always been pretty popular in the the faith based communities. Um, most churches and faith based organizations, religions even offer uh, premarital counseling, but there's not a lot of premarital counseling for more secular couples and, and families. Um, and so, I really started thinking about designing a premarital counseling program, a package of sessions to be able to deliver to couples getting married. And I was getting contacted for that kind of service from couples in the community. And so I put together this program and it was a series of sessions that were kind of menued out, or there was a little bit of a syllabus that that we could follow. It wasn't hard and fast and it was definitely flexible, but at least there was initial structure in place. Um, and so when I started applying that in the in the uh in the clinical setting and actually working with couples recognized quickly that they needed way more support for for their merging finances than I was able to really deliver and so then then it made sense for you and I as we started putting our heads together to include a whole section in that premarital building us program that included family finances yeah remember that um Remember that awesome video that we shot? That awesome commercial? Like a promo video? Yeah. The promo video for building us? We look like we're like 
10. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're 10 with suits on though. So we suits and, 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 um, ill fitting suits. I kind of had hair, but not much. Yeah. Um, that was, uh, yeah. We, we have aged. <laughs> should we, should we put that video link in the uh, show notes? Sure. Sure. Should we do that? Okay. I think there's some B-roll footage, right? There's some shot great city, B-roll footage. Shot in City Park of this uh-huh. lovely, I don't know who the couple is, lovely couple. Look yep. like they're having the time of their life. And then it cuts back to us and we're kind of rigidly sitting in chairs, yeah. pitching premarital counseling. Yeah. We're so totally, totally accessible. So building us <laughs> though, that, but, but intrinsically it seemed to be a great idea in that everybody who we talked to about couple premarital couples counseling plus financial coaching if you will mm-hmm. people go yes i wish i would have had that i mean yeah. i've had i've had parents buy it for their kid who's getting married i've had you know so so people it seems to make sense to people yeah. that uh, a couple getting married who wants to wants to start out on a, a solid foundation should get some ad- advisement along mm-hmm. the way yeah. So building us was was initially the, the concept of building us was initially specific to premarital counseling, newlyweds. Yeah. And I remember you and I having conversations like, man, I know this is just for for newlyweds, but like I talked to people who've been married like ten or fifteen years, and they're like, oh, you should do that for people who've been married for a long time. Yeah. In fact, one time I was I was kind of marketing the building us counseling program at a bridal fair. Did I tell you this story? Uh, I'm not sure. So I went to, I signed up to go to a bridal fair at the mall, like where there's like, you know, 200 vendors, there's photographers and cakes and gowns and all kinds of, all kind, all part of the wedding industrial complex. They're there (laughs) at the mall and there's like 500 brides and they're going from table, booth to booth, table to table. Uh, looking at all these vendors and I'm one of the vendors and (laughs) definitely some moms came up and were like, is this only for premarital counseling? Like, can me and my husband get this now? (laughs) So, uh, (laughs) so the the stress of planning a wedding, like we need to talk to somebody. We need to talk to somebody. Yeah. So, uh, as we were talking about building us as a counseling, uh, program, other non-premarital couples, yeah. married couples, couples uh-huh. have been together for a long time, wanted to avail themselves of it as well. Yeah, I think that's I think that's kind of where it naturally went cuz here's what I find. People it depends on it depends on what stage you are where you're getting married, right? If you're let's say under yeah. 25, right? Maybe you're just starting your career, you don't have much money, you're really not thinking about money in the same way you know, you're thinking about money when you're 35 or 40, when, when you're kind of mid-career and, and you know, finances have gotten a little bit more complicated. So yeah. uh, the, that wasn't as, what I found, it wasn't as intriguing at that time to some of the younger people, but the couples that were getting married that were working on maybe a second marriage, right? Yeah. It was amazing how much more engaged yeah. that they were on the financial side, because I think they had some they had some skins on the wall. They, they had some mistakes that they made, and they realized, like, wait a minute, you know, we need to get this right. Yeah, we need help with this. So, so we did that. We did the 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 building us premarital counseling, and we had always been talking about just um, talking more about 
about this topic? Like, how do we get, so, how do, so here we are. Yeah. So here we are. We're doing, we're, we're, we're now we're doing a podcast and we're not wearing uh, stiff suits anymore. You're in a t-shirt and I'm in a polo. Uh, we are working more from home these days. Yeah. Yeah. Here we are, the Building Us podcast. Uh, yeah, it really are, you, it really has developed. Here's here's something interesting. I was at a, I'm in a mastermind group and uh, I built I built amazing relationships digitally with with a lot of these people. And we have an annual conference where we go to. It's a small group of um, insurance agency owners. So we have a our family owns a, a independent insurance agency. So I, I kind of help manage that and operate that from the business end. Uh, so I was in this mastermind group with independent insurance agency owners, and we get together and we share we share a lot of kind of inside business ideas. And really what it ended up being was more of digital marketing, content creation. And it really, it was specific to the insurance industry, but it was skills that I picked up that could be applied across any industry. And mm -hmm. one of the guys who, who kind of helped manage the group was... Um, was a podcaster. He was an audio guy and he was really into podcasting. This was, this was three years ago. And he had been telling me that I should, I should do a podcast. And at the time I was like, yeah, I'd really like to do this, this, this podcast. A buddy of mine's a couples counselor. And he's like, you need to do it. You need to do it. That, that podcast would, would be successful. That was three years ago. Wow. And, um, one thing led to another, and I think I think we're just busy with with kids and business, and so we finally we're finally doing this, and hopefully it's uh yeah hope you know I, you know I was just on vacation right I've been mentioning that a lot I've been saying that a lot I was just on do vacation, you work just back. do you work so so while <laughs> I was on vacation I was talking to a friend of mine uh, who we were kind of just catching up we hadn't seen each other in a long time and. I was saying that I'm doing this new podcast. I've been doing these other other professional activities, and they they just like were like, "How do you have time for all of that? How do you have time for everything that you do?" Especially when you're always on vacation, right? Right. <laughs> and I would, say, and what I said to her is, she's a brand new mom. She has a six month old, first child. She's starting medical school. Oh man, I would say. I wouldn't have had, I didn't have time three years ago. Yeah. I didn't have time, certainly didn't have time 10 years ago. It's just, we've been working on this for a long time and, and we're now both in a, a place in life where we can do this. Yeah. It's fun. And, yeah, it's fun. And, and you're, you're able to do different things at different phases of life. And it's important to be where you're at with the people that you're at then. Mm -hmm. But it's, a, it's important to look forward to other things that can happen as life progresses and your family develops and, and time moves on. You know, I, I, I keep saying uh, we're in a season of life. I'm in a season of life where the days are often long, but the years are short. Yeah. And we're just now in a place in life. Maybe it's covid Maybe it's just where we're at in life that we can now put together this 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 production, sit yeah. at these microphones and talk to each other. And, and, I, and I know that both of us are very passionate about the work that we do. You're passionate about yeah. relationships. I'm passionate about uh, money and seeing people 
I'm not passionate about money per se, but passionate about seeing people make good decisions with their money because I know how much impacts um, it impacts their life. So this is just this is just another another medium for us to to help people and and hopefully hopefully you're still listening. Hopefully this is helping. Hit the share button. Subscribe on your favorite um, podcast listening software, podcast listening app, app. App's the right word. Podcast listening app. Uh, We'd love to. We'd love to reach more people with with what we believe is is valuable information. You know, relationships is Matt. As you say, relationships are the guts of life. The guts of life. And we believe in them, and and uh, we think it's important to invest in your relationships. Building us, building us is about building you, your life, your business, your relationships, and to do that, you've got to invest invest in your relationships. Dr. Matt Morris maintains an active private practice for couples and families in the greater New Orleans area. To learn more about his work, visit drmattmorris.com. Eric Garcia can be found online at plan-wisely.com. His branch office is located in New Orleans, Louisiana. The branch phone number is 504-218-5479. Securities offered through Royal Alliance Associates Incorporated, member FINRA, SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through New Century Financial Group, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Insurance services offered through Garcia Financial Group, LLC. Entities listed are not affiliated.